Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. Jumping in in a short series called Win the One. Win the One. And so we're going to dive right in. But i got to ask a question real quick. Uh, there's two types of people in this room, all right? And there's always like two types of people in this room, right? But uh, first type would be the competitive type. So raise your hand if you're competitive. Competitive people at. Where you at, all right? Where you at? It's all girls in the front row again, all right? Mm-hmm, right? Raise your hand if you're not competitive. You're not competitive. Like, you don't, like, <laughs> I saw that. Um, anyone else? You're not competitive. You don't care. I do not care, right? There's competitive people and non-competitive people. Now, I am, uh, I, I like to compete. I like to be competitive, but I'm a really good loser, okay? I'm good at losing, all right? And you might be like, why? Because I know my identity in Christ Jesus, okay? <laughs> all right? Maybe that's a cop-out. But the reason why I can lose really well is because I married someone who is freaking awesome at everything, all right? She is competitive at everything. We haven't got some youth camp girls here. Uh, she drove a, a car. I drove a car to summer camp. And out of nowhere, my wife's like, boom. <laughs> she's like, yeah, like she's racing me. Like, oh, we're in a race now? Like, what is going on? These are children's lives that are in our hands, babe. She's very competitive. I even got to tell you, one of the best romantic things that ever did in our marriage wasn't cook dinner, because, you know, brother can't cook. It wasn't uh, a candlelight dinner or a beautiful restaurant. The, one of the most romantic things I did for my wife is when she got home after a long day, and on the garage door, uh, when she went inside her garage, on the garage door there was a sign that said, I have a Nerf gun. Here's your Nerf gun. Whoever gets shot first has to do the dishes. And she went, woohoo, right? Like, that's my competitive nature. And how many know she won? Like, she had pillows and armor. And I mean, I was in the shower, like, where is she? Is she coming? You know? Why? Because she is competitive. She has a competitive nature to her, even one night. How many excited schools coming back in one week? Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, no, terrible. This is 11 o'clock. I'm sorry. But man, we're excited for school to begin, and we're kind of freaking out, like, oh no, we gotta, we gotta like, like hammer summer in, like many of us at this service, right? We're like, California, I'm out of here. And so we picked the night, we say, we're gonna go bowling as a family. Now, I know my wife. I've been bowling with my wife before. And uh, when I went bowling with my wife, I mean, she has no form. I don't know if you're this way. She just walks right up. And she just, I don't know if she prays or she tells the ball what to do. Like, you will give me a strike. You know what I mean? Like, this is what's going to happen. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And so she, she just kind of drops it. It goes all the way down. And boom, I get an explosion. Like, no way. Like, what is this? She'll get strike after strike. I mean, she'll get turkeys. I mean, just walking up like, praise the Lord. Boom, piano. Boom. And I got the form, you know, I'm trying to do the, I mean, I'm talking about the bowling form. I don't know if I can do it here with these pants on. All right. And so the bowling form where you go, right. Or some of y'all, I've seen some of you go like, like that. You know what I mean? I don't know what you're doing there, but you're spinning that ball. It looks awesome. I'm doing the form and she beats me every single time. But that's fine. That's fine. Cause I'm a man of God. All right. I have fruits of the spirit in my life. I can lose well. I can lose well. And so we were bowling with my son, and he's six, and we're getting ready to bowl. And my wife, uh, we look at each other, and I said, let's make this interesting. You want to wager something. You want to have a wager. Now, maybe you're in Avenue Church, and you're like, you're gambling. No, it's not gambling. It's a friendly wager. If you got a problem with that, feel free to email me at monica at avenuechurch.cc. 
email me there, write a long one, and I'll make sure I'll respond back. And so I said, let's wager. And she said, oh, I was like, I'm thinking like a candy bar. You know what I mean? Like, like if you beat me, I'll, be, I'll buy you a candy bar. And she said, let's make this real interesting. Let's make this real interesting. Whoever wins, all right, so whoever loses, she said, has to do the laundry, all right? And that's a feat in itself, because how many know there's dirty piles and then there's clean piles? Where are my clean pile people at? Where are my clean pile people at? Right? You just kind of go, oh, that's the dirty pile. That's not the good one. <laughs> right? Or how about, how many of us have exercise equipment in a room? That's not for exercising, it's for holding our clean clothes, right? Put our clean clothes on top of that. So we have piles, and so, oh no, I gotta do laundry. And then she said, because she's greedy, all right? She's greedy, competitive. And she said, not only do you do laundry, but you gotta clean the bathrooms. And I'm like, that's where I put my foot down. That's why I say, woman, you know? I said, sure, let's do it, fine, fine. You know what I mean? Like, I'm having a weak moment, fine. I, I, maybe this is my night. And so we get the bowling, and literally she just walks up and she's like, you will give me a strike in Jesus' name. You know what I mean? And drops it, boom, a strike. The very first frame, a strike. I was like, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Jesus, forgive me, you know, like, why? I remember getting up there and I bowled with the perfect form. You know I mean, I look great. How many know sometimes we look great, but we don't perform very well? How many know what I'm talking about? And so I throw in there a gutter ball. Like, no, not a gutter ball. I'm thinking, like, like, bye, children. Like, I love you, son. Like, go play outdoors. I'm going to be doing laundry for days. It's <laughs> so I got to tell you, how many know pride goes before the fall? Can I get an amen? Pride goes before the fall. I remember holding that bowling ball and I was thinking to myself, this is the one game I must win. I remember thinking to myself, I must win this one. I have to win this one. How many know your pastor beat her and he put it on Instagram stories and it was this whole thing. It was a very long thing and I was very uh, humble with that. So how many, can you kind of applause real quick? I beat my wife at bowling. And then we played a second game. I didn't even try and she beat me and she's like, does that counteract? I'm like, well, get behind me, woman, you know. But why do I tell you that story? Because many of us, we like to compete. And we're in a series called Win the One. But I gotta give you a disclaimer this morning. I gotta give you the disclaimer this morning. Win the one does not mean we're gonna win people over. Winning the one doesn't mean, man, I'm gonna get their approval so that they like me. Winning the one means we're going to invite, invest, and introduce people that do not know the one who is Jesus Christ. That is our goal during this series. We want to win the one that is hurting. We want to win the one that is near us but far from God. You might have heard it here at Avenue. We, we hear it all the time. But Avenue Church, we have a plus one culture. We have a plus one culture at Avenue Church. And a plus one or a win the one it is not a tactic to say, hey, I need you to bring your friends next week. I need you to grab as many people as you can. That is not a tactic for that. What it is, is it's a culture that we have here at Avenue Church. What I love about the plus one culture doesn't mean we're exclusive. It doesn't mean you need a special invitation to be a part of the A team. You need a special invitation to be a part of all that God is doing. Well, the most greatest success here at Avenue Church on the A team 
It's not whether you did something, but it's who you brought along with you. It might say, hey, you know what? I, I made this project. I made this happen. We're like, come on, that's awesome. You're amazing. But who did you bring along with you to learn from, to mentor to, you know? What did you do? And so we are plus one in order to win the one that I believe that you have succeeded when you're bringing others with you on the journey. Can I get an amen? I believe people will succeed when you bring them on the journey with you. This, this is the mentality we see in the life of Christ. All throughout the Bible, we see Jesus winning the one. One of my favorite Bible stories is when Jesus was walking on the road, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Nobody liked Zacchaeus. He had a lot of haters because he would go and collect taxes. He would go and take money from people. And so Jesus is on the road and the journey, and the Bible says Zacchaeus was a short guy. So he climbed a tree in order to get a better view of Jesus. And so when Jesus passed by, he stood and he looked out because how many know God knows? God knows your need and he knows exactly where you are. So he stops and he says, Zacchaeus, man, come on down. And he's like, does he know who I am? I'm a tax collector. Nobody likes me. And he said, come on down. He said, let's hang out. Let's go to your house. Let's begin to break bread together. How many know that you, you can either be a hater or you can be a hanger? You can hang out with people and you can lift them up. You can, you can be able to do life with them. Here's what I love about Jesus. That anytime he did life with somebody, in order to win the one, Jesus always connected before he corrected. He always connected before he corrected. He never said, hey, uh, Zacchaeus, come down. You need to stop taking people's money. What is wrong with you? No, he said, let's connect. Let's win the one. There's another story where Jesus is doing ministry, and the religious people grab a woman. They're, they're not winning the one. They're trying to destroy the one. So they grab a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. They caught her right there. That's like uh, getting tagged on Facebook. Oh, no, they tagged me in that picture. No, 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 no. Remove that tag. And so they grab her and they put her in the feet of Jesus. They said, Jesus, we found her. We caught her. She was caught in the act of adultery. We got her. And all of a sudden, Jesus said, those without sin may throw the first stone. They wanted to kill her and to stone her right in the middle of the city. Not the stoning you're thinking of with rocks, okay? Got her minds. I don't understand. And Jesus said, without, if you don't have any sin, you can go ahead and throw the stone. And the Bible said from the oldest to the youngest started dropping their stones and walking away, saying, I am, I am full of sin. I have sin in my life. And also Jesus looked at the woman and said, no one has condemned you, neither do I. And he got her up. What did he do there? He won the one. He was winning the one. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to visit John chapter 4 real quick this morning. I'm going to fly through, but i got to warn you, I'm excited about this series. Before we jump into I Love My Church in just three weeks, in two weeks from now, we have outdoor water baptisms where we're going to celebrate people, uh, uh, celebrate new life in Christ Jesus. How many were here last year for that? It's outdoors. It's amazing. It's incredible to celebrate with others. But today, I want us to win 
the one. So if you all have a Bible, we have free Bibles. We'd love to, uh, to give you today. You can follow along on the big screen. You can get your iPhone out, your Android out. Samsung people, we love you. We want God's best for your life. Also, you can use Facebook. Check in on that. And let's go ahead and dive right into John chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 4 real quick, and I love this. Jesus is on a ministry tour. Jesus is on his, like, his, his, his grandiose tour. He's going from city to city. And this is what it says here. And Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. Now, some of you know exactly what Bible story I'm about to read. But Samaria was a town that people avoided because they were not good people. Samaria was a town that said, man, if we go there, I mean, we'll be unclean. If we go there, we can't mix with that kind of culture. And the people would go around Samaria. But here's Jesus, and he said, I have to go to Samaria. I have to get there. Do you know why? Because Jesus knows exactly where to go and exactly who needs him. I'm convinced that there's a reason why you missed that turn and you ended up at a different gas station. I'm convinced that maybe that pump didn't work and you went to another pump. I am convinced that Jesus is setting you up because he knew you had to go to that gas gas station at that particular time. Why? Because you're going to meet somebody who needs saving. You're going to meet somebody who needs to be introduced to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. I believe that when we realize that, we'll go out of our way. Why? Because when you start listening, Jesus starts operating. That's just how it is. It's just say, God, give me opportunity today. I'm going to go about my ordinary life. But then you're going to notice conversations. Then you're going to notice people opening up. And so this is what Jesus said. He had to go to Samaria. And he goes to the well, and his disciples are with him. His disciples are like, man, I don't know about you, God. They're like, I don't know about you, Jesus, but I'm hungry. And so they go into the city to find some food. Those are my boys right there, all right? <laughs> like, like, this is awesome, but we're going to go eat. And so Jesus stood at the well, and he was at the well at the noon hour. And the theologians believe that that noon hour was the hottest part of the day. That's like us doing yard work at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Like, let's do yard work. This looks like fun. And it's so hot outside. You're like, why, God, have you forsaken us? And the Holy Spirit's like, I'll be back in October, right? (laughs) And it's so hot out. But Jesus knew there was a woman that was going to come out the hottest part of the day because she was avoiding everyone. She was isolated. I have found that if we don't invite the one, they're going to isolate themselves. They're not going to do community anymore. And so she comes to this well, and Jesus says, hey, will you give me a drink? And she is blown away saying, you're not supposed to talk to me. And I'm not supposed to talk to you. I'm not supposed to help you. And Jesus said, will you give me a drink? So she gives him a drink. And Jesus drinks it. And he said, yeah, this is great. This water is amazing. But I know about living water that you'll thirst no more. And she said, well, well I would love this living water. Where can I get this at? Like, have you ever talked about something so delicious, right? You're like, oh, man, you got to go to this restaurant. It is incredible. And after they talk, start talking about it, you're like, yeah, babe, we got to go to that restaurant because I don't know what it is. He is smoking what he's selling. We got to go to that restaurant. I like, I, I want to be a part of that. I totally have FOMO right now. And Jesus said, of course, you want that living water? She says, yes, I want it. And Jesus says, go get your husband. Go get your husband. And she says, well, my my husband's not home. And he's like, yeah, girl, right? 
because you've had five husbands. And she's like, who told you, right? Like, where does this come from? Everybody knows I have five husbands. No, Jesus said, you have five husbands, but the sixth guy you're with is not your husband. But how many know when the seventh man comes into your life, seven is the number of completion that Jesus will complete you when you're trying to find other ways of being completed. For many of us in this room, you can clap, come on. For many of us in this room, you might be like, life is great. I'm making money. I got a great family. Everything's going well. But there's still a void in my heart. There's still something in the inside of me. There's still something missing. I'm trying to find happiness in all these areas and through all these people, but I don't have that completion. So she's blown away. She's like, this is incredible. And think about it. Jesus left the multitudes to win the one. And here's what it says in verse 27. Then his disciples returned. John chapter 4, verse 27. His disciples returned, and they were surprised that he was talking to a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then verse 28. Then she left her water jar. How many know when you encounter Christ, you leave your source and you got to tell others. So she left her water jar. The woman went back into the town and said to the people, come, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. I know some of you would be like, I don't want to meet somebody who knows everything I did. Like, back up. You leave me alone. But she said, come. There's somebody who's incredible. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be hope and healing? Could this be the one we're waiting for? And I love this. She didn't have the answers, and she's still invited. She's still invited. I'm spitting all over the place. She's still invited. But I'm fired up today because sometimes we think we need to be a theologian, super Christian, to know the entire Bible from front to cover. Like, have you invited anybody to church? I haven't read Revelations yet. No! Invite. Invite people to win the one. And so the entire town made their way towards Jesus. Meanwhile, check this out, church folks, right? Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, teacher, Jesus, eat something that he said to him, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And the disciples went, where'd you get this food at? What are you talking about? How many people, how many know people in this room, right? You're like serving at Avenue Church. Someone brings a box of donuts. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where'd those donuts come from? I need those donuts. Like, this is all they care about. Like, Jesus prophesied over this woman. You've had five husbands. You're with the sixth man now, but I'm your seventh man. I'm here to uh, give you life and hope and healing in your life. And she's like, woo! Runs to the town. Disciples are like, what, what, what food? What are you talking about? But how many know sometimes as Christians, we're too focused on eating ourselves when we forget to win the one? We forget to say, man, how can I make a difference in others' lives? I'm here to tell you, we got to be able to win the one. And Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My will is to do his will. Don't you have a saying? It's four months until harvest. Open your eyes and look at the fields. I want you to catch this. Underline this in your Bible. I want you to open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest now. Not then, not later, but now. It is time to win the one. How many here this morning, you want to win the one in your life? I believe we want to win the one. So I want to ask you real quick, I mean, if you're taking notes, write this down. But you might be saying, Pastor, how do we win the one? How do we do this? 
Because I've heard lots of messages, but no application. Like, what do I do? Like, you're so fired up, you get out there and you go, I don't know what to do. How do I win the one? Number one, we will, as a church, we will invite the one. We will invite the one. The woman simply said, come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Come meet a man who's giving me living water. Here's what I love about Jesus. He was always inviting others to him. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says, come to me. That's an invitation. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's an invitation. John chapter 6, everyone whom the Father gives me, and this is for many of you in this room. I want you to listen to this. The Spirit, uh, uh, everyone whom the Father gives me, will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will never drive away. I will never drive away. I'm here to encourage you this morning that as you begin to win the one, don't allow an invitation in your life to stop. Don't allow the, the thought process that, you know what, you're not worthy of that invitation. I'm here to tell you, God will never drive you away. He'll never turn you away. That he wants to encourage you and to say, I invite you to come. Revelation chapter 22 says, the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. What is that? The free gift of salvation. It is free and it's freely given. You know there's power in the invitation. There's power when we invite somebody into our lives. You know, uh, there's power when we invite somebody into our small group. You know, studies have been shown that people have a higher chance of going to your small group than they would on church on a Sunday morning. Why? Because I don't want to go to church. I mean, if I go there, the building's going to burn down. If I show up, they just want my money. If I show up, they're going to single me out, like point right at me and make me stand up. And, or I got to walk to the front. Like, like I, I'm going to be embarrassed. I don't want to go to church. And you're like, man, Avenue doesn't do any of that. But why don't you come to my small group? Man, my small group, we're playing basketball. My small group, we're just hanging out. In my small group, we're studying the Bible. In my small group, we're just eating and doing lunch. Why? Invite them into your life. Invite them into your life. I want to encourage you that even we have some amazing families that have been coming to Avenue through small groups. We have, I'm a part of a soccer team. I got to share with you, I'm just excited that people got to know me on a soccer team as Jeremy, Levi's dad, before they got to know me as Jeremy, the lead pastor of Avenue Church. Why? Because I just want to connect before I correct. I want to encourage you that Barna said 96%, 96% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if they're invited. I want you to grab that. 96% of the unchurched. I don't go to church. I've never been a part of church. They're likely to go to church with an invitation. But the problem is, we think people are so turned off by church, so we say no for them instead of letting them say no first. We got to realize the power of the invitation. The power of the invitation. You know, years ago, I first uh, got on staff at a great church. 
And uh, so I was at this church. I was single. And uh, I was a junior high pastor. And I was nervous. I was excited. And when I showed up, I remember my first sermon at that church. And uh, I had to preach. And so I preached my guts out. I'm all sweaty and, like, doing somersaults and things like that. I remember going home, like, I got to do this every week. This is insane. Like, this is nuts. I remember being part of a, past a pastoral team and the total new guy. And I learned that the rest of the pastors loved basketball. They loved basketball. I've never played basketball. Didn't play it in high school. I did football wrestling track. I like to hit things and all that. And so every Friday they would play basketball. I would wait for the invite. Anyone going to invite me? You know, like, like, and so then I started be like making comments to stop me. I'd be like, yeah, we had a great youth night, kind of like Michael Jordan, you know, when he switched it back and, you know, <laughs> trying to throw it out there. How many know I'm talking about, right? Like, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, like LeBron James wasn't like, I don't know if he was like, he didn't play back. I was going to say not alive. He didn't play back then, but trying to throw out basketball things. So finally, I got a basketball invitation. Hey, Jeremy, you play basketball sometimes. Yeah, I mean, like. <laughs> Every now and then, you know, on the, on the Sega, you know, Xbox. I said, why don't you come play with us on Friday? Sure, yeah, right? You get in your car going, ah! right? I had to go buy shorts and stop. I almost bought a headband. I was like, is it? no, that's not good. That's not cool. Get your basketball shoes. Like, these never touch pavement, you know? I remember getting on the basketball court, and I am terrible. I am terrible. Like, they pass me the ball. I'm that guy who, number one, I get, I get like, excited. Like, you give me the ball, like, really, you give me the ball. Right? Like, like, this is incredible. But I'm a really good basketball player because I'll pass it right back. Like, you give me the ball, pop, pop, right? How many of you I'm talking about? Pop, pop. There we go. All right. Pop, right? Watched too much Globetrotters growing up. You know what I'm talking about? So even when they give me the ball, I would dribble like a two-year-old. Like, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. I was terrible. These guys were incredible. They were really good. I remember I was coming up, and I was all by myself out in the open. I don't know why. Why was nobody guarding me, right? Because I probably wasn't that good. I remember standing next to the hoop, and we had, it was a tie game, and we had one shot to win the game. One shot to win the game. And my pastor, I love him, he, got, he looks at me, and he's like, and he did that like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I saw that. I saw that for a split second. Like, ah, uh, he's not that good, right? And so he passes it to me, and I take it. I'm like, ah! right? I'm all excited. And all I had to do, all I had to do was lay it up, right? Like I've seen that in the movies, right? Space Jam, you know? We got to go win the game. Woo, we won the game. Like hoist me on their shoulders. Like Jeremy's awesome. New pastor, you know what I mean? It always plays good in your mind, right? So here's what I did. I laid it up, and I went, boom! <laughs> I hit the headboard, like a, the backboard. I just like, ah, bah, like a big guy. Like, like, I don't know what I'm doing. The other team rebounds it. They go that way. And my pastor, he looks at me and goes, Jerry! I was like, yeah, what's up? He goes, never shoot the ball again. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Why do I tell you that story? Because many of us will invite, but we don't invest. We'll invite, but we don't invest. We'll say, come be a part of what we're doing, but I'm not going to invest beyond the invitation. I don't know if you've ever been invited to a party or a function, and when you get there, you don't see the person who invited you. Or when you get there, maybe you're being ignored and you don't know what to do. Why is that? Because there's no investment 
after the invitations. I want to just write this down, that we will invest in the one. We will invest in the one. That there has to be an investment that takes place. There has to be an investment that takes place. I don't know if you ever played on a sports team. I want you to think about, maybe you, had, maybe you joined a sports team and you, de- you never had a coach that invested in you. You were invited to play on the team, but you had no investment in how to play the sport. For many of us, maybe you invest your time, you invest in the resources to, to suit up and to get the gear, you invest in all the different things to play the sport, go to the practices, but how many would be really upset if every time you went to a game, you sat on the bench? Every game you went to, you just sat on the bench. You never went in and got into the game. Some of us, we would get ticked off. I've seen like in the paper and on the internet, in the paper, on the internet, where I've seen like fights are breaking out at little leagues. Why? Because their kids aren't playing and they're getting upset and frustrated. But I'm here to tell you, can we get in the game? The many of us will come to church on a Sunday and we'll invest time being here and we'll even invest some money into this thing and we'll come on Sundays. But you know what? We're not investing in others. We're not winning the one. We're not inviting. And I'm here to tell you, the coach wants you in the game. The coach wants you to invite, but also invest, to share your life and to share your Christ. Then he wants you to get in the game. Paul said it best in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I love this. Get ready for this. This is what Paul says. For I am free from all. For I am free from all. I've made myself a servant to all. I want you to catch that. Our vision here at Avenue Church is we want people to know God. That's our worship experience. That's outside the parking lot, the signs. That's our culture here. We want people to know God. We don't want you to know church. We want you to know God. But then we want you to find freedom because you only find freedom in your life until you've discovered who God is. But 87% of Christians never find freedom. Why? Because we got to know who God is. And we begin to find freedom. But this is what Paul said. He says, though I am free, I still serve. That's my investment. I serve so I might win more. I want to win more. I want to win more. Though I am free, I still serve to win the one. Here at Avenue Church, that's our culture. At our culture, our A-team will give up their seat so someone else will sit in that seat. Our A-team will give up their parking spot so someone else can park in that spot. The A-team will come early on a Sunday morning, set everything up. They'll, still, they'll stay late and tear everything down. They'll inconvenience themselves so that we can enjoy an excellent environment to hear the gospel presentation of Jesus Christ. Can we give our A-team a hand clap today? that's what it's about, that we want to invest in the one. We got eight teamers who already went through growth track, had to deal with me teaching that, and they'll take a friend and say, hey, you want to go to growth track? I don't want you to be alone, so I'm going to sit in growth track with you. We have people doing life. I'm so encouraged by our small groups. I'm encouraged that this last semester, we had over 100 people in a small group. Why? Because as our church grows bigger, we're going to grow smaller through groups. That's an investment. That's an investment. I believe wholeheartedly that the home you've worked for, I believe wholeheartedly that house God has blessed you with, that God, God wants you to invest 
into other people's lives and begin to open your home. Begin to invest in those you're doing life with. And Paul said in verse 20, I, catch, I want you to catch this today. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became under the law. Although I'm not under the law, but I did it so I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, right? I never compromised. I never sinned, but I'm going to relate. He said, to the weak, I became weak so that I might win the weak. Paul says that I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. What does that mean? Does that mean he compromises? No. That means he's relating. That means he's saying, come into my life. I want to invite you into my life, but I'm going to invest in your life. I'm going to make an investment. I'm going to become all things to all people so I might save some. He didn't become a chameleon. He didn't say, let's go to the clubs. Come on, somebody. No. Paul is saying, I'll be your friend. I'll be your friend. I'll do life with you. That Jesus always connected before he corrected because it was investment. It was an investment. Jesus said, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. So I want to encourage you today, text somebody. Don't text them and say, will you go to church with me? Text them and say, can we have coffee? Text them and say, hey, I'm starting a small group. I didn't think I was. I'm going to start one. I'm going to do, begin to do life with others. Here's my last point as our worship team comes on up, is we will introduce the one. And now how many know that one is Jesus Christ? How many know that one is the one who can give us living water? That one is the one who can help us to open our eyes and to see the fields are ripe for the harvest. Our fields are ripe for the harvest. Matthew chapter 9, this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, you know what? I've traveled. I've gone to towns and villages. I'm teaching. I'm announcing the good news. He heals every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Listen to me today. He's not looking at this crowd going, wow, man, there's that person. There's that person. Oh, they're jacked up. What's wrong with them? He has compassion on them. And he's saying, man, we can win the one. He, verse 37, he said to his disciples, he turned after seeing the crowd. He said, guys, listen, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. I believe there's too many of us, we're shrinking back without the power of the invite. We're shrinking back without investing in other people's lives. For many of us, we're like the disciples, like, I need to eat. Come on, somebody. Like, I need to feed myself. And God is saying, my food is to do the will of the Father. F.F. Bruce said this, the most unlikely soul may prove the most effective witness. The most unlikely person is going to be a great witness. How many know God uses those in the remote? God uses those in the desolate. God uses those that are like, I got no gifts or abilities, but I got to win the one. I got to make a difference. And so this young lady, a woman at the well, she came back to Jesus. And theologians believe that she, after she went to Samaria and told everybody, come, come see a man who told me everything I did. She went then to the next town. And she said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And she went from the next town and the next town. There are people in this room, as you begin to win the one, 
you're going to win hundreds of ones. Why? Because that woman became one of the first evangelists in the New Testament. Why? Because she believed. Why? Because she invited, she invested, and she introduced people to the one. So how do I do this today? Write this down, number one. How do I introduce people to Jesus? Number one, write this down. Develop a personal relationship. Develop a personal relationship. Say, hey, man, let's just do life. Let's fix cars together. Let's go golfing together. Let's go hang out. Let's have coffee. Like food? I like food. Let's go get some food. Begin to share a personal relationship, but also share your personal story when that time is right. Because remember, God knows. He knows the timing. He knows the setup. Let's share your story. Say, man, you know, life was great and all these things, but this happened and that happened. But thank God somebody invited me to church. Thank God when I went to church, not everything got better right away, but I found purpose. Then I began to make a difference. The last one is give a personal invitation. Give a personal invitation, whether that's to a life-giving church like Avenue or whether that's an invitation to Jesus Christ. On your way out, we want to give you cards. We have some brand new cards. They're business size. They can go in your wallet, your purse, anywhere. But these cards simply say, what are you doing Sunday? What are you doing Sunday? On the back has some basic information. Normally we're like, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference, or make it a way for people to know Jesus' experience through life. Like we got all this lingo on there, a bunch of pictures. But we wanted to eliminate all the noise to say, hey, can I share my story with you? Hey, can I invite you to my church? I'll sit with you. I'll be with you. I'll do life with you. You have a friend of mine, and he began to tell me his story. And his story was that he had a very unhealthy home, home life. When he was 18 years old, he began to look at colleges, not for an education. He looked at colleges so that he can get out of his house. He purposely looked at colleges to find a college out of state, away from his, his family. It was such a broken environment. He didn't know anything better. So he found a college. He went out of state. And as he arrived in that college town and began to meet some people, some, some people invited him to church. They said, hey, come to church with me on Sunday. He's like, church? I've never been to church. What kind of church is it? And they said, just come and come, come. We're inviting you to church. Come be a part of this church. So he tells me the story where he drove into the church and nobody was outside. Nobody was at the door. He had to look around like, is this the right place? He walked into church. There's a bunch of people talking to themselves in the lobby. And then he walked into the, into the worship experience. And his first time in church, he decides to sit in the second row. I'm like, bro, you're, you're bolder than I am, right? We always sit in the back row like, what's up, right? And he sat in the second row. And he's like, I don't know what to expect. I don't know anybody here. And he tells me that this older gentleman came up and tapped him on the shoulder. And he's thinking to himself, oh, thank God. Somebody's got to talk to me. Somebody's going to say, like, hey, what's your name? Welcome. We're so glad you're here. But when he tapped him on the shoulder, he said, excuse me, you're in my seat. And he was surprised, and he said, man, I'm, I'm okay. And so he stood up and gave the man his seat, and he walked out of that church. Never went back to church. And after that experience, his life got tougher. His life got even worse. He began to tell me he would drive around in his truck and contemplating suicide. Man, if I could just drive 90 miles an hour into that flagpole, I could end it all. I could be done. But he kept telling me that he had a neighbor, and his neighbor almost every day was like, he was like, stop. But his neighbor would be like, hey, you want to go to church with me? 
brand new church. They're not even meeting in a church building. They're in a high school. They're brand new. It's a church launch. It's a church plan. And so he said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I did that once. Bad experience. I'm not going again. And his neighbor said, come on, you got to come with me. And he said, finally, after one day, he gave in. And he said, fine, I'll go. So he got in his car and he drove to the directions of where it was. And he said, immediately down the street, he could see people on the sidewalk waving. He could see people with signs. He pulled into the parking lot, parked his car, and he came up. There's greeters at the door. He knew exactly where to go. And one of the greeters was a sweet little old lady. And she said, what's your name? And he said, my name's Josh. And she said, honey, you know, I, I can tell this is your first time. Save me a seat. I'm going to sit with you. And he's like, you're going to sit with me? Yeah, right. And so he went into the worship experience. He sat in the very back row. Because he's waiting for that bad experience again. He's waiting for that experience. Right when the music started up, that little old lady came and sat right next to him. She worshiped with him, listened to the message. And he said, in that message, the pastor said, man, if you need Jesus in your life, I want you to step out of the aisle and I want you to come up front. We're not going to do that here at Avenue Church, all right? Just a little disclaimer. But he said, come on up front. And he had tears in his eyes. And he said he felt different. He felt something new and exciting, but he didn't know what it was. But he was frozen. And this little old lady tapped him on the shoulder. And she said, hey, honey, I'll go with you up front. I'll go with you and have you accept Jesus. And he walked down that aisle and walked down with that little old grandma greeter, you know. Walked to the front, accepted Jesus. And you know what? He went out from there and he said, he decided, I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus. You might notice the ones that receive much grace and much forgiveness have way more compassion than many. He started his own church. He's going to have four, five, six services. Then he joined a program called ARC. Begin to help over 600 churches launch. Now he's in Florida, starting another church. Why do I tell you that? Because there is power when you win the one. When you win the one, you'll win hundreds of one. And so I'm totally going to close, but Matthew chapter 11, the message version, says this. Why? This is a big deal. Why do we have to win the one? And this is what it says, Matthew chapter 11, in the message version. It says, are you tired? Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Say, come to me. Come to me. This is my invitation. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. You'll recover your life. How many know that's what it's all about? It's seeing people come to Jesus, recovering their life. But today, whether it's through this, a text message, through investment. But today, I'm going to invite the one. I'm going to invest in the one. I'm going to introduce them to the only one, and that is Jesus Christ. So will you stand with me, please? I want to pray over you today. Thank you for being here. Hope you enjoyed it. But man, I want to pray over every single person here today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, let me pray over you. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for who you are. God, I pray in Jesus' name to help us to have a win-the-one mentality today. The Father, I pray, give us boldness today to invite somebody. Now, God, I even pray with our eyes closed that you remind us of the one that is close to us but far from God. The Father, I pray, give us a picture or an image of somebody that is ready, somebody who's at harvest. 
that is right. That maybe you're here today, you've never had an encounter of grace like that woman at the well or like my friend Josh. Maybe you're here today and you're worn out, you're tired, you're burnt out. But God is saying, I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you living water. I'm going to restore your soul. I'm going to invite you to come to Jesus today. And maybe that's you today. I want us all pray a prayer, just like my friend Josh did. I want you to do it in your seat right where you're at. I want every single one of us to pray a prayer. Some of you are just going to pray it, but many of you are going to mean it. So every head bowed, every eye closed, everyone say this with me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me right where I am. Say, today, I give you my life. Say, today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and wash me clean. Say, Jesus, you were raised to me for me. Now raise me to new life. And today, I will follow you all the days of my life. Say, today, I will invest, I will invite, and I will introduce people to the one. In Jesus' name, and everybody say, Amen.